2008, I uh, had spent a day in the, uh, up in Washington, D.C. At, at, uh, at a call that had taken place. And by call, I don't mean like a phone call. Those were these large prayer gatherings that this guy named Lou Angle would call. He would call everybody together. He would go like this with a voice and rock us like this. And it was an amazing time, right? Lots of worship and lots of rocking and praying. And Holy Spirit came in distinct manners. I'm pretty sure I still have some gold dust in a jar saved on my shelf from those moments. And I had a deep encounter with Holy Spirit in this large prayer gathering. And then upon its conclusion, I made the 19-hour drive home from D.C., hashtag I-95, and came down and, 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 and get to my house. And we're not home but like two minutes. And all of a sudden, myself, my, my wife, and uh, my friend, Jay Thomas, who's one of our dear friends, who's one of the worship leaders from this thing, we're all sitting together in the house, and, and I hear this like this frantic pounding on my door. Okay, so I go downstairs, and standing on my doorstep is this 55-year-old black guy. And I'm like, hi? Ain't never seen him before. He's like, man, they got guns. Let me in. No. (laughs) Come on, man. Let me into the house. They're coming after me. No. But I have a fence, and there's a hose. Like, if you need to get some water, you can hide back there as long as you need to. Okay? See ya. Shut the door, locked it, went upstairs. And my friend Jay, who, if you don't know, Jay's a black guy with locks and such, and uh, says to me, who's that? Oh, well, see, what happened was there was this black guy down there running from guys with guns, and he needed help. Would you let him in? No, I didn't let him in, Jay. I put him in the backyard. And he said to me, let me get this straight. You want to spend 24 hours outside in the sun praying for revival and encounter, but you can't let one dude on your porch into your house when he needs help. How do these exist together, Joel? What, what, were absolute, what was absolutely simultaneously true in this moment is that I had a deep encounter with Jesus I had yet still some places of immaturity in my own heart. And thirdly, God was going to use someone who didn't look like me, who could identify with the person who I was refusing to help, to help me see that I had issues. You see, my Holy Ghost encounter in the mall in Washington, D.C. in a prayer gathering was not enough. We, I think, sometimes believe that our Pentecost moment, our deep encounters with Holy Spirit, is going to be enough to mature us to a place of completion that we need. And the reality is, is let me say this, and hear me when I say it, we need Holy Spirit, but your Holy Spirit Pentecost encounter is not completion of your soul. We need, yes, Holy Spirit, but he oftentimes uses other folk who don't look like us as hashtag holy sandpaper to rub off the places of immaturity that have been inside of us that need to come out in only a conversation with somebody else who gets on your nerves, who believes differently than you believe, who sees something differently than you see it, can bring that out of you. 
Pastor Dan completed last week the six-week journey of discipleship. Here today I've been tasked to teach on multi-ethnic relationships, but I believe they are connected. I believe that we need to see our multi-ethnic diverse relationships as a part of spiritual formation. We look more like Christ when we commune and talk with others who don't look like us. Our text for the morning is going to be in Acts chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 10. Those of you online and here in the room, you're going to see we're going to, for the title of today's message is a divinely diverse meal. In Acts chapter 10, Peter is ushered into this diverse moment, this meal of multi-ethnic proportions for him, and we're going to see some lessons from his life that emerged through it. Now, I want to get this clear. This Acts 10 Peter, this isn't the Acts 10 Peter that says, I'm not going to deny you, Jesus, and then does. This is not the Acts 10 Peter that says, I'm going to cut this guy's ear off in case he touches you. No. And this isn't the accent Peter who tried to walk and then sank like a rock that he is. Peter, Matthew 16, hashtag Bible jokes. Catch that? Did you catch that? Go back and rewatch it. You'll get it. No, no, no. This is, this is post-Pentecost, Peter. This is post-indwelling of the Holy Spirit, Peter. This is post-prophesying, Acts chapter 2, Joel 2, 28, Peter, where the Holy Spirit is going to fall on all flesh. This is post-Acts chapter 3, Peter healing some dude on the way to prayer supernaturally. And yet all of these incredible God encounters were a part of Peter's journey. And yet at the same time, there is still an ignorance of prejudice and an ignorance of the gospel inside of Peter's heart. And it isn't until the Holy Spirit invites him, hashtag pushes him into a meal of others who don't look like him, talk like him, or eat like him, that Peter's going to see some issues in his own heart. See, Peter had already committed to feed and care for the Lord's sheep, John 21. It's just that he thought that meant the only sheep that looked like him. And in Acts 10, we see Peter confronting his own Issues. You see, the reality is, is that this is a Holy Ghost setup because he's going to use a relationship, a meal, to form him. God oftentimes uses relationships that are ongoing and encounters momentary events with others from different cultures, different places to form and to shape us. If you're here and online and you got to Acts 10, can you say Amen. Let me give you, it's a long text, let me give you a quick synopsis and then we're going to narrow in on just a couple passages. Verses 1 through 8, this Italian general, see I knew the Italians were in the Bible, calls, named Cornelius, calls for Peter. He has a divine encounter with the Holy Spirit. He says, you got to go to this place called Joppa and get this guy and Peter. And nearly the same time, Peter is having his own divine vision and he's seeing a bunch of food that the Israelites were told not to eat coming and going on this sheet. And in this encounter, God says to Peter, Peter, I want you to go ahead and eat the stuff that prior I said you weren't supposed to eat. By verses 17 to 23, Cornelius' men get to Joppa, grab Peter and say, come on with us. And in verses 24 through 33, Peter sits down with these Gentiles eating, sees the meaning of the vision as to actually I'm supposed to accept Gentiles when I didn't want to. And by the end of Acts chapter 10, Peter declares this truth, seeing what was to take place. Holy Spirit falls and all of them get baptized. 
See, in a large picture in Acts chapter 10, God is moving his early church to see that other cultures and nations is where his spirit is driving them, if they'll hear it. Our lessons today, our four-course meal of a divinely diverse are these four lessons we're going to glean from. Number one, you are who you eat with. Number two, you aren't what you eat. Number three, we have to fill the seats to be healthy. And number four, the gospel is the main course of our meal. We're going to focus in on just four verses. Verse 13, if you've got to open it up there, I'm going to read it. It'll be on the screen and, and your Bibles at home if you're reading them. This is here in the text in verse 13. And a voice came to him, speaking Peter. It says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Verse 14, but Peter said, no, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. Verse 15, and a voice spoke to him again the second time. Somebody happy that Jesus talked to you a second time when you ignored the first time? Come on, who, who here can attest to God's grace? Sometimes it's the third and fourth and fifth and sixth time. But a second time says, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. Now get over to verse 26. But Peter, excuse me, verse 27. And he talked with him, this is Cornelius and his crew, and he went in to this Gentile home and found many who'd come together. And then he, meaning Peter, said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or to go to one another of another nation? Meaning, I ain't supposed to be here. But God has shown me, verse 28, that I should not call any man common or any man unclean. I love how the next verse Peter says, but I came without objection. No, I did. He came without, he came with objection. It took Jesus two times to get him there. And a, and a military entourage. But yet Peter still cannot see the space in his own heart to where it needs to grow. The first thing that we understand in this meal is this, is you are who you eat with. Multi-ethnic relationships function like a divine x-ray and shows us what's really on the inside of our hearts. It isn't until you get around a meal or get around a conversation of somebody else who looks, who doesn't look like you, who doesn't think like you, doesn't vote like you, didn't come from the same background, maybe speaks a different language, that all of a sudden you start seeing some ideas, some prejudices, some pride, some stuff in your heart that you did not know was there. You see, it diagnoses the multi-ethnic Church, the multi-ethnic relationships diagnose the places of spiritual immaturity in our heart. Look at what Peter says in verse 28 as he's sitting with these Gentiles. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or any man unclean. What happens, I think, in these multi-ethnic relationships surrounded by safe, committed conversations is this, is we learn that our view is not the divine view. Hashtag reality check. You find out real quick in this relationship, in this conversation, that the way you see it may not just be heaven's divine method of seeing it. We like to believe that we can see it perfectly, but the reality is, is we cannot. How often have we deified our own views of you just insert what it is and in doing so alienate others who see differently than us? 
All of a sudden in our, in our monocultural, mono places that we are in, we see our spiritual expression that we prefer. This is the way Holy Spirit moves. Did you know that? My preferred song set is heaven's preferred song set. Didn't you know that? <laughs> my, my biblical worship, that, my worship, that's the biblical way of worship. And my perspective on hmm, politics, economics, racial issues, marriages, you insert it, that's the way heaven thinks about it too. Didn't you know that? And all of a sudden, you get around a conversation of another spirit-filled believer who loves Jesus, who served the poor, who's worked among you, and they just see a bit different. They just process a bit differently. They just think differently. And all of a sudden you realize, maybe I had some thoughts about people like, careful with that one, like you, and I'm exposed. The internal work of my heart is Pour open to the Holy Spirit. You see, we have let our own opinions become too great in our own eyes. And in doing so, we create walls and definitions of other people and how they are that now keep us separated. And we might still be in the same place, a multicolored group, singing and worshiping together, but I could be a million miles away from you even though I'm in the same row. And I don't even know it. And it isn't so we can have an honest conversation in love and care that something in me is shown. And sometimes it's not even like as deep as I label you as something. It's just there's, there's a distance that has, exists because I am not willing or can't step into where you are. How am I going to Rejoice with you if I demand you agree with me. How am I going to weep with you if I demand only I'll weep if you agree with me? That is not the biblical command. But 12 years ago, I think it is, roughly maybe 10 years ago, lost track of the time. We were here actually at Deep Creek, and it was just after the Trayvon Martin shooting. We as a staff, it was like that week that it happened. We as a staff, oftentimes led by Pastor Kevin and Pastor Dan, will process issues like this, particularly as a multi-ethnic church, it's required, right, to dialogue this as a staff. And so we're talking and we're sharing. And, 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 and in this moment, Pastor Manuela, who's pregnant with, she's a black Ghanaian, in case you're wondering, I guess you don't know her, and she's pregnant with her oldest son in this moment. And just as we're talking, she just legit puts her head down on the table and begins to cry. And the tears were, were around this element that she's as a black mama trying to process what is it going to be like to raise my black son and what is at that time all kinds of unrest. And, and in that space, what didn't need to be talked about was stand your ground laws. And in that space, what didn't need to be talked about was what was going to happen if and then and what's the media going to talk about and how they're going to frame this out. What in that space was needed is someone to come alongside and cry with her. And what I realized is I had 15 different filters. Now, I had known Manuel already for five years. Manuel's one of my closest friends, one of my sister in Christ. And what I realized is I had 15 filters between me and her that did not allow me to empathize with her in the manner that was required of me from her brother in Christ in that moment. And it wasn't until I got around this space that I realized my heart and grace was too small for the moment required. 
Not till I got with her did it come out. Not till I engaged her in conversation did it come out. And I wonder, what are the 97 filters we've got that we don't even know are there, but are only going to be shown through the divine x-ray until all of a sudden you start dialoguing in relationship with somebody else who is just different than you. Peter here has this moment. All of a sudden he realized, I have been living a space in life that is not what I'm called to. Where's the filter in your heart? Where's the filter in your mind? Any direction you want to spin that joker that needs to come down, that needs to be poked at, that's only going to be if you'll be willing to have a conversation with somebody different than you. You see, we're formed to be the people of God and Christ's likeness based on whom we choose to eat with. But yes, we are who, yes, we are who we eat with, but secondly, we aren't what we eat. We are not, our, our identity is not the food and the culture that we eat with. You see, within multi-ethnic environments, we learn that our cultural norms and our cultural preferences do not make up our identity. They do not define who I am, nor does it define who you are. Let me help us out. Your definition in Christ is not the culture you grew up in. It's not the language you speak. It's not the skin color you have. And it sure ain't the party you vote for. Come on. We have created these definitions of each other and ourselves based on all these other demographics. And what happens is that the more demographics you add in front of Christian, you create a greater distance. And we've now become what we consume. Here in our text, Paul, excuse me, Peter, Peter here makes this statement. Verse 28, but God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. This word unclean that Peter uses here is the same word that they use for lepers that would said you are defiled by that which you touch. Do you see what Peter just did here? See, the dietary law that the Jews were given ultimately had nothing to do with the identity and dignity of others around them. It was simply a marker of diet to show themselves, yes, set apart, unto the others coming to them to find the truth of the God who gave them the dietary laws. But Peter moved it from cultural elements to personhood of others who don't talk, act like, think, or eat like him. So he looks at them and he says this, my cultural laws, my preferences, my demographic elements, my voting history, my money history, my inserted, this is what is clean. And you and your different cultural laws, you and your different eating practices, you and your different dress, you and your different X, Y, Z, that must not be unclean. That is, excuse me, unclean. 
It takes 30 seconds. Scroll through Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and your Facebook feed, and you will see the church is the worst at this. We demonize and demean others and make the differences personhood, not just differences. I wonder what might these relationships do for us? Where might we be a greater witness to the world when we see each other? Yes, I am not suggesting that differences don't exist. Let's read our Bibles around the throne. Jesus is really clear. There is every tribe, tongue, and nation. He's not interested in making everybody look the same. What he wants us to understand is the difference doesn't mean inequality. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, different yet equal with each other. Man and woman, different yet equal with each other. Social class, different yet equal with each other. And in our differences, we've made it this. And only in multi-ethnic settings does Holy Spirit show us that we are not what we eat or think. And you are not what you eat or think just because it's different. Ten years ago, I'm in... Costa Rica, I've made about 12 trips to Latin America, all of them on our mission trips. And we have some global workers in, in San Jose, Costa Rica, and I would lead teams there often. And our global workers there work with men and women in prostitution on the streets. And I had been there enough times that we're now on the ground. We just landed. We're in a big 15-passenger bus, and we're riding. And so it's me, my team, and then the two global workers who are there. And I'm trying to describe to our team some understanding of what's been going on, right? Or what, what, what they can expect. And I keep using these words. And the prostitutes will come on these streets and we're going to give XYZ to the prostitutes and the prostitutes, the prostitutes, the prostitutes. And then Ryan, my dear friend, and his wife are riding with us, Ryan and Nicole. And he begins talking to our team. And he says, and when we go there, we're going to see the men and women in prostitution. And then we're going to see the men and women in, street, in the streets. And then we're going to see the men and women. And Holy Spirit said to me, do you see the difference? Do you see how he's talking about them and how you're talking about them? How are you going to minister my gospel and grace and reconciliation to them when you have made them something other than simply my son and daughter? See, we make identity claims based on stuff that's different than us. And we need these relationships that unveil for our hearts the places where I've simply defined others by what is different and defined myself by what I like. It's only in these diverse relationships. It's only when we walk, worship, and work as one that we become a people who look at each other with this in view. You are my body in him. You're my hand. I'm your foot. We are Christ's body, bound together as we will talk about in him. And these multi-ethnic formational relationships cause us to see each other rightly. But it doesn't just expose us, doesn't just ultimately show us about our identity and others. But thirdly, it fills the seats. We must fill the seats to be healthy. See, multi-ethnic relationships function as the healing 
for the pain that we may have along any of these demographic lines. And committed multi-ethnic relationships form us to be, heal us, to be, to, to be healthy and whole. Look what Peter continues here in verse 28. Then he, Peter, says to these Gentiles, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with you. He is not talking about just showing up to a moment. The word keep company is this Greek, comes from this Greek word of koinonia. The same word about having deeply shared life with each other. To be interwoven, bound together. Can I suggest this? That we're not a successful multi-ethnic church because we got a bunch of multicolored folk in the same room who can sing the same song up on the screen. No, it's when our lives are woven together that if I plucked your thread out of my multicolored scarf it all fall apart it's when by generation and gender and ethnic class and social class come together that we are doing life sharing life with each other and Peter here says don't you know I'm not even supposed to do life not just not just meet you with you for a moment but do life with you and then he says this but I in truth I perceive that God shows no partiality you might think that you're just doing fine without the diverse relationships in your life. But I promise you there are holes, there are gaps, there are hurts and pains that cannot be healed unless a different diverse person comes to heal them. There is, a, there is an extension of grace and life that only comes through unity in diversity. David writes in Psalms 133, he says the command of God is that life evermore would flow, not in the context of a bunch of people just singing, but in the place of unity. And the greater the distance we come to to gain unity, the greater the life flow comes. Can I suggest to you that we give grace and extend grace in the context of diversity that heals the wounds that are caused. Uh, in a practical way, I believe this. Let's say, let's say you are an Asian woman and you get hurt by a Hispanic guy. You don't need another Asian woman to come heal that wound. You need a Hispanic man in the place of identification and repentance to heal that wound, to make it whole. If you're a white guy, you don't need another white guy to heal you for that wound, that thing. If you are a Republican and a Democrat hurt you, you don't need another Republican to heal you. You need a Democrat to come to help heal you in that place. If you're a rich person and got hurt by a poor person, you need another rich person to help. You need a poor person. See, see, the same demographic that hurt us is the same demographic required to heal us. And what happens is we get wounded by someone of any demographic we want to put in there. We run to the circles that we like and are comfortable with for healing. Maybe for a moment that's fine, but I need to find someone in Christ in the same demographic to run to and say, I need help to be healed here. And it's unto scriptural interdependence. You see, it's when the hand gives to the body. It's when the knee gives to the shoulder to supply everything that it needs. We cannot be the whole, whole and healthy individuals required for our moment in our mono, insert whatever, spaces. Five years ago, Thereabouts. 
had a conversation with one of my dearest friends, Pastor Dan Yoon. Some of you may know him. He's Korean by ethnic group, Korean mostly by culture and how he was raised, particularly in the context of church culture. We hired him, and, uh, and through about his five-year span, just some things weren't quite clicking. Didn't quite know what it was. He and I are very good friends, and we're trying to figure it out. And It got to a point where it was no longer healthy for him or us. So we had a conversation, said, I think it's time to figure this out. That led to him transitioning to another church. He's up in Richmond now doing, rocking it up in Richmond. But a year later, he comes back to me and he says, Joel, can we talk? I said, well, of course, Dan. He said, Joel, I, I don't know how to navigate it. I don't know how to talk about it. But all I know is that there were some cultural dynamics of me that just could not get expressed right in the context of not just new life, but if I'm honest, mine, his relationship. And, and as he's describing this, I heard Holy Spirit say, don't miss your moment. Don't reject this. Shut up and listen. Online, you can just hashtag that. Shut up and listen. Multi-ethnic voices. Listen to him. So I'm listening, I'm listening, I'm listening. And there were just some dynamics of the Korean culture that as, I, as he's talking, I realized... He wasn't able to voice some things like he wanted to voice because of positional dynamics in the Korean culture of age and position and authority. And, and, and as, as I thought back, there were probably five or six times I just got frustrated with Dan because he wouldn't do something the way I thought it needed to be done. And what I realized is, yeah, maybe he couldn't voice some of the Korean dynamics happening, but you know what? I didn't take the time to learn them either. How was I going to help lead a multi-ethnic church of 64 nations like ours, and I'm not willing to take the time to learn, to grow, empathize, and have patience in all of those things with one of my dearest friends serving with me? And I felt Holy Spirit say to me in this moment, own it, apologize for it, and grow from it. Because there's coming a day where this dynamic's going to be required times infinity. And you've got to learn. And if you want to step into a future moment, you've got to learn something here and now. You know what's really interesting about this text? is from this point on, Peter completely disappears from the New Testament. I mean, we have these two letters, granted. But after this, no more Peter. And the only time his name comes up... Is in Galatians when Paul has to confront Peter another time for treating Gentiles the same way. I wonder, I wonder this. If Peter could have been the one on the backside of Acts. But he missed his moment. He didn't get it. I mean, he made a momentary statement, but he didn't live it beyond that. And I wonder how many moments of influence, how many things are we missing that Holy Spirit is doing because we're not willing to own some of the diverse relationship that we need. How many of you in your business place, in your boardrooms, in your schools that you teach in, in the relationships that you have, need a tool to be a missional influence in that space, and the only way you're going to learn that empathy, that patience, that care, that kindness, that collaboration that's required on your job place here is because you learn that over here amongst others of other cultures. 
I'm afraid the church in 2022 is missing our moment because we as a global dynamic cannot engage and become healthy as we need. We're missing our moment. We are ethnically blessed, not ethnically cursed. Not complexities to navigate. Come on, leading a multi-ethnic church is super complex, super hard. I can either view it as a hard thing or I can view it as a place of divine impartation set up for a greater witness. Let's not miss our moment as a church. Family of God, can I encourage you? Don't miss your individual moment for what you could have because you engaged someone who didn't look like you. See, we need to fill the seats to be healthy. Lastly, what we find out is the gospel is the main course. Online track with me. It is in the multi-ethnic church that the gospel is most clearly seen displayed, preached, and lived. I'm convinced, so thankful for Pastor Dan and Kevin who pioneered this, I am convinced our culture sees the, the church mostly at times, at best as a joke, at worst as a joke, sometimes irrelevant because they are living in a space of diverse issues, division, present and they look at us and say, you ain't any different than my boardroom over here at my school. You see, this table elevates the gospel in the clearest manner. See, the Father set the table. The Holy Spirit did the cooking. And Jesus himself is the meal. Look at what Peter says in verse 43, to him, speaking of Jesus, all of the prophets witness that through his name, whoever, if you're in the room, say whoever. Online type in whoever. Whoever believes in him, Jew and Gentile, will receive the remission of our sins. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all of them who heard it. Let me help us out for a minute. This diverse relationship, this multi-ethnic dynamic, it is not a sociological idea. It's not a God idea. It's not a good idea. It is a God idea. It is the eternal working of God on the earth in this moment. When Paul is writing in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, this is what he says. He says this multi-ethnic church, this diverse group of people is the manifold witness to the world around you. And it happens according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus. Eternal purpose. Before time. Before racial division in 2022, before racial division in the 1800s, before racial division in the 1400s, before all of this happened, the eternal purpose to God was to elevate a multi-ethnic people living, walking, and worshiping as one to a divided world. And it only happens because it's in Christ Jesus. Look, Rodney King's question of why can't we all get along still has not been answered. 
If you're under the age of 35, you have no idea who he is. Online, you can Google it. Why? Because the world can't bring us together. I've heard often this phrase, well, the church just needs to understand the Imago Day. We've all been created in his image. All have the dignity of God, and if we do that, we'll see reconciliation. No. Starbucks has the dignity of God and people figured out. That's not our saving point. Genesis 1, dignity of God is not our saving point. You know what it is? Ephesians chapter 2, in Christ we've been made one man because of the cross. You see, I'm not reconciled to Pastor Melvin, a black guy, because we're reconciled together. We are reconciled together in Christ. And until I see you and me in Christ, we cannot walk out reconciliation. However, in Christ and the gospel and in his work to bring all men unto himself, this becomes a display to the world around us that can't get it figured out. And when they walk into the room of a multi-ethnic setting with people who generally love each other and they experience the presence of God, they realize in this atmosphere, in this space, is all the answers my soul needs because of we've loved one another together. It is the method of public display that in 2022 and beyond is God's work. Let's read our Bibles, Matthew 24. This divisiveness gets worse. And what's going to keep us together? It's not going to be our political ideologies. It's not because we spend our money the same way, drive the same kind of cars in the same neighborhoods and believe the same thing. It's going to be that we are ushered to a table, all of us having access to the same bread and wine of the same lamp who made us one together. That's what's going to testify to the world. And until we see that engage these multi-ethnic relationships, we will miss the point. The worship team can come. How are we going to respond? When we walk, worship, and work as one, we make Jesus famous. How are we going to respond to this? Three quick things, or really two. Number one, will you intentionally learn from someone else who doesn't look like you? Read a theological book, read a spiritual formation book, read anything that is a Christian book from an author of a different ethnicity that you are. Five years ago, I read a commentary in the book of Lamentations from a Korean guy named Sujan Ra. Rocked my world. He layered an understanding of Korean shame on top of the biblical lament, and I saw everything differently. Because he just has a different perspective of this. Secondly, maybe you can attend the seminar upcoming this Saturday and the following Saturday about our multi-ethnic seminar at Kempsville. Maybe you'll need to carve out, yeah, four hours of your time to do both. But it might be the most important four hours you carve out in order to grow and see and see the gospel in a different method and measure. We have to be intentional with this. And lastly, don't just intentionally learn, intentionally engage each other. Ultimately, this doesn't come in cognitive reading a book. Like Peter, we got to get around some tables. So here's your homework assignment for the next two weeks, or over the next two weeks. Find someone who doesn't look like you. Ask them to dinner, and you pay for it. It was real quiet in here, online church. <laughs> you know, you learn something more about people's culture by going into their home, even just going to Starbucks and eating with them. 
Some of y'all white folk need to see a black Jesus on a wall somewhere in a rocket world. It's okay. He's Middle Eastern anyway, but that don't matter. <laughs> Get into somebody else's house of a different culture and grow in faith and in God. Would you stand to your feet here among us? Well, I hope that you enjoyed our sermon today. I hope that you were inspired and challenged. And maybe you have a question about something that you heard in the message today, or maybe you need prayer. We would love to take the time to pray with you and answer any questions that you might have. All you need to do is simply send us an email to online at newlife.global and we would love to connect with you. Well, be sure to subscribe to our channel. You should see the link right over here somewhere and turn those notifications on. That way you are notified every single time we go live on YouTube. Well, God bless you. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you on the next video. Take care.